Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for episode 100. Did you ever think we would say that? No, I mean, 50 was shocking enough. <laughs> yeah, here we are. And uh, it was your choice, and it was a fitting one. A career retrospective on one of your all-time favorites, uh, The Mighty Power Quest. I, I've been looking forward to this since episode one. The only question for me was when we were going to do it, and I can find no time more fitting than episode 100. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I mean, the only question is, like, how are you going to shut me up? I'll figure it out, and I'll give you the hook if I need to hook you, but um, this is good. I'm going to tell you why. I consider myself fairly knowledgeable about some stuff. I am a fan of this band. But when it comes to you, there is no question who the resident historian is. So I'm prepared to go to school and listen just like uh, everyone else out there and really take a deep dive into what this what this what this is. And the really the only thing I can take credit for is actually introducing you to the band. But then you just went on a ride that far surpassed my knowledge for sure. Yeah. And I guess we can kind of start things out just by talking about both of our uh, introductions to the band. So I guess my question for you is, do you remember how you first heard of the band before you told me about them? Yeah, I I do. And it's funny because the way I heard about them was, it's a little fuzzy, but here's what I remember. I'm going back around the turn of the century and I remember mp3.com being like a website where you could kind of find new bands and while youtube was obviously you know i can go on youtube and i can find the most obscure you know obscure thing in the world right now back then there was no such way to do it so if you wanted to hear a song by a band anybody who posted on that website mp3.com was one good way of doing it and one band that i got that i found from that website was Dragonheart, who would later be known as dragon force and obviously they were huge and and whenever you looked at like the metal charts dragon force or dragon heart at the time was always number one in the metal category and i said to myself what is this and then i listened to it and i was obviously blown away and i still think that those demo songs are some of the best power metal that i've ever heard but shortly thereafter i hear this band called power quest the same way and if i'm not mistaken i think i downloaded far away from mp3.com and i was like what in god's name is this because I was in the middle of my power metal fandom, but I had never heard anything so happy and so upbeat and so um, melodic and so catchy in my life. Uh, It was like Halloween on steroids just because of how happy and fast it was. And that song I just thought was like the perfect introduction to this band. And it still remains one of my favorite songs. We'll get to it. Uh, But that song is just so damn catchy. That's what it was. And then I guess at some point I must have sent it to you, right? Because that was kind of your intro as well from that one song. Yeah, I would. I want to say it was um, 2005 or 2006. Um, my, My memory seems to go back to around the time that I was living with Brian and um, and I, and this is like a time where I'm just not not quite the metal fan I was in high school, and not nearly the fan I would become. But um, you were still trying to keep me in the loop with stuff, and, and you would just say, "Try you know, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this." 
And this was just one of those things where I listened to it and I was obsessed. I just listened to it repeatedly. And so uh, I remember going to the band's website at the time, which I I think is, they still have the same web address. Mm -hmm. It was power-quest.co.uk, if I recall. That's off the top of my head. And um, they actually had like, um, they had Temple of Fire. Um, Just, you could download it right off the the band's website. And so that was the second Power Quest song. And then once I heard that, I was like, okay, that first song wasn't just an anomaly. Like, I need to hear everything else. And so I would <laughs> go on to get... Um, I pro- I'm trying to remember if Master of Illusion had come out yet. Um, and if I just bought, like, got the four albums and then backtracked because i definitely remember being excited about blood alliance coming out um and that was like that's the first time i remember being excited like to like the anticipation of it being released um i can't remember if if master of illusion if i was aware of power quest whatever it it was around that time but anyway it, it went into this whole thing where i just like delved into um their whole back catalog and just listen to I, I don't know that there's a band I've listened to more in my iTunes than than Power Quest, but it just was an absolute like love for me and it was something that I I don't know what it was or what like it, something about the song it really is the songwriting for me that it just speaks to me in such a way that that Dragon Force didn't. And we'll talk about like where that Dragon Force connection is and everything, but um I'm going to take a stab at this, and, and maybe this is it. I think that you always appreciated keyboards in your metal. And this was a band that was a metal band, but the songs were written by, and in many cases for, keyboards, right? Like this is a keyboard-driven power metal band, whereas Dragon Force was in the same vein for sure, but it had a guitar slant. And Obviously, you like the guitar. I mean, everything we talk about has guitar in it. That That's obvious. But when you have a song that's written in the mind of a keyboard player, I think it's going to have a different bend than if it's written by a guitar player with just the most ridiculous guitar riffs um, and solos. This is more song-driven, and that was more like masturbatory in terms of just the guitar, Herman Lee's guitar, which and he's fantastic. But like, it's a guitar album in the guise of a really fast power metal album where this is more of a power metal album, or at least those first four or three really were, were power metal albums. Uh, but from the view of a keyboard player, almost a la Stradivarius in that sense. Yeah. I think that's really well put. Um, I, to, and, and that's the thing like dragon force has all, is this like extreme power metal band, but like they have these like seven or eight minute songs. And it's like, these songs don't need to be this length in my opinion. So yeah, masturbatory was a, a good word. That I would have, I would, I was going to say just wankery. Um, whereas I feel like this, like this was just, it was more about the songs like the, uh, as a, as a whole. Um, and, and the, 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 the whole start of it is so interesting because, you know, Steve, Steve Williams, who started power quest was in dragon force before, they became Dragon Force. They were still Dragon Heart when he left the band. And you know what? I'm going to 
I'm going to let him explain to us what his mindset was at that time when we when we talked to him. So, cat out of the bag. Yes, we will be speaking with Steve, and, and that interview is going to get dropped later in the week. But um, I, 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 I rather than going off of Wikipedia or whatever, I'd rather just hear it from the horse's mouth as to what his reasoning was because, you know, Dragon Force would go on to, to have some real uh, fame, especially after um, Through the Fire and Flames was included on Guitar Hero. They kind of just had this this mini blow-up of fame. But my guess was always that Steve just kind of had his own vision of what he wanted to do. And and if if you listen to Power Quest, you can tell that it, it isn't what Dragon Force was going to go on to do. So, I mean, it makes sense that he wanted to go in this direction. And, and they didn't really see the same kind of fame. But I don't really think Steve cared. I think Steve just wanted to do, he wanted to write music that made him happy. And it's it's so interesting to me, his, the things that he like listened to, cause he's like a real prog guy. You know, he loves Marillion and dream theater. And like he, he, and he grew up on some of the, you know, um, earlier prog stuff, like pre metal, um, so it, it's so interesting I, and I'm really looking forward to kind of picking his brain on, on how he came to this style of power metal as kind of his brand, um, being that he's such a, a pro, like a fan of prog music. And I know he loves, you know, power metal too. I know he's a fan of Nightwish and Halloween and what have you, but, um, it's just this kind of, I feel like at the time there really wasn't a like sound like this. Like, I feel like, you know, Tommy Johansson would start rain seed and, and he'd go on to actually say like, I actually, uh, Steve told me the story that Tommy told Steve that like Steve power quest was a big influence on him when he was writing songs for rain seed now known as majestica. Um, and that's another band that I completely glommed onto. And I'm sure we'll talk about them at, at full length in the future. But, um, that kind of style, I believe, um, Somebody made kind of a, a, a tribute slash parody video about, I think, calling it like flower metal or whatever, just because it's more of a happier, 100%. less kind of dark version of, of like a Halloween or a Gamma Ray or whatever. And that's part of it, too, is that not just lyrically, but just musically, it just feels very upbeat and life affirming. And it, it and I just it's something that I would put on if I needed a, a pick me up emotionally if i needed to pick me up just like it's late in the work day and i need just a little bit of energy or something like it, it's it does something to me that like that not that not a lot of other things i, I put like voyager and rain seed and like very few other bands that i can just listen to and it just it just snaps me out of whatever kind of funk i'm in and if i'm already in a good mood then i'll just put me in an even greater mood so like i mean I could probably talk in circles for an hour about like what it is about this band I love and, and not actually say anything useful. So I'll just let you say something. Now. Well, uh, what I'm curious about is when we talk about each of these albums, because believe it or not, as much as I know your affinity for this band, what I don't know is which albums you hold in higher regard than others. Somehow, I don't think they're all tens. They might be, but I don't think they're all going to be tens for you. Again, they might be, but to the extent that they're not, I'm curious to see which ones and why and whether there's a parallel between my 
I don't even want to say casual fandom because I'm more than a casual fan, but I'm not as a hardcore fan as you are. Um, even though I've listened to these discs many, many times, but even, even going through them this week and last week, I found new things that I didn't either notice or things that I kind of latched onto that I may have either glossed over in the past or things that I loved in the past that I kind of moved away from just a little bit. Um, it, it's amazing how that happens, I guess, over time, but you know, we're going back almost 20 years with, with some of this stuff. So it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's an interesting exercise and it always is, but I'm, I'm really curious to get into the weeds with some of this stuff in terms of what your thought process was and how these albums have held up for you, because I know you're, you're, you're a super fan and I can, I get it. We all have bands like that. Um, but the fact that it is able to put a smile on your face after all these years and all those plays, I think is a testament to, to the songwriting more than anything else. Yeah, and not to mention like actually getting to meet Steve and Ash and and the rest of the guys and realizing that like you know, that's the danger of meeting a band that you love because if if they don't meet your already like super high expectations as people, it can ruin that musical experience for you going forward, you know, like I I remember one time I had an opportunity to meet for for Jansen from Nightwish and I just chose not to say anything to her like I saw her at a hotel and she looked like she was kind of in a hurry and I just felt like if I just happened to catch her at a bad time and she kind of blew me off because for whatever reason like that would leave a bad taste in my mouth and then I wouldn't be able to enjoy listening to Nightwish the same way and and so like i this is something that literally crossed my mind in the short amount of time. I was like, I could go talk to this woman and maybe have a really cool experience or I could ruin this band for me. And I, the same thing I, I avoided saying hello to Fabio Leone in Toronto once it's, you get so starstruck and you don't want like your opinion of these people to be kind of spoiled. But in this case, when they came to Prague power with, with power quest, like there, there was no turning back at this point. And they, blew me away with their kindness and, and just how great they were. And so that's just made my fandom of the band even more special to me on top of everything that I had already was feeling before I even got to see them live for the first time. And then got to meet them and, and talk to them as, as people, not just musicians that I had high respect for. Totally. And, and not to go completely off, off, off script and off tangent here. I had that experience when I met Michael Kisk for the first time. I was so, um, I don't want to say scared. I, 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 that, that I don't get scared and, and everyone's just a person, but I didn't want to have my thoughts of those Halloween albums tarnished by a bad experience, but the guy could not have been nicer. And, um, that, that was something I will never forget. Like being in the middle of, of Quebec city, Canada, walking up to him and just, having like the nicest conversation. I think he was shocked that two guys from New York drove 12 hours to go see the first Avantasia show in North America. It was, I mean, I think he was actually touched by it because he actually wound up writing about it on his blog the next day, which I thought was awesome. Um, but that whole experience just cemented everything I thought about the guy from a music standpoint and a talent standpoint and everything else. So yeah, and then like on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, like, and I'm not going to name names or or say what band it is. I'm sure no, no. I told you in private, but I had an experience with a band where one of the members was like very much a dick, 
And I, and this is a band that they weren't one of my favorite bands in the world, but they were a band I, I liked a lot. And I didn't listen to them the same way for a while. And then he ended up leaving the band and then like all was forgiven at that point. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's amazing. Like what those, uh, it's important to me that like certain musicians understand that. And they, they recognize that like, you know, what may be, uh, inconvenient two or three minutes in their lives is is like really fa- a major factor in, in somebody else's life, and everybody has a bad day, and and everybody not everybody's in the mood to hobnob. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, again, not to go off on, on too much of a tangent, but like that the band, every member of this band that I got to meet, and it was only four of the six uh, for reasons we'll get into later, but um, they were all just unbelievable, like just unbelievably great. Um, just humble and uh, just really friendly and, and kind human beings, and and that's that just cemented them as legends in my book, and and they were very close to already being considered as such before that. But uh, and not to mention that they put on a hell of a live show. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get there. Yeah. So let's uh, let's kind of uh, get get rolling here. Um, so. You know, Steve leaves uh, Dragon Dragon Force or Dragon Heart, as they were known at the time, and he decides he's going to start this uh, this band. Um, he, his, I believe, um, Steve Scott is the first person to join him, who also uh, was in Dragon Heart as well. Um, he was a bass player from New Zealand, so they called him uh, Kiwi was his nickname, mm-hmm. and so Steve joins Steve and. Um, so Steve was trying to recruit some, um, people in Southampton, New England, or New England, old England, regular England. Um, <laughs> and they were able to get, um, guitarist Adam Bickers, but they couldn't find anybody else interested in joining the band. So they asked, um, Sam Totman, who to this day still remains in Dragon Force and, um, is, uh, I believe, uh, a close friend of, of the members of Power Quest as well. He kind of joined the band, and he would be a part of the early years of Power Quest and help out while he can um, until they brought in uh, Andrea, who um, really became kind of their guitar powerhouse after uh, Sam would have to go back because he was just busy with, with Dragon Force. So um, they, you, know, you, you had referenced mp3.com earlier. They recorded a two-track demo, uh, to to put up there, um, to put up on MT, mp3.com, and boy, does that talking about mp3.com makes me feel crazy old. I'm feeling all 40 years. <laughs> when yeah. I that. Uh, CD now is another thing that makes me think of the old oh, days. Yeah. Um, so they don't have a singer yet at this point. Um, so they had ZP, uh, who you know obviously he would go on to do the first, I believe, three albums with Dragon Force three or four at least, maybe four, um, before he would leave and he would start his own band, IMI, which current PowerQuest drummer Rich Smith uh, is a part of. So all things kind of circling around in, the, in later on. Um, ZP came in and he did the uh, the vocals on this demo and they recorded uh, the two two songs that would appear on the the Wings of Forever debut disc, uh, "Glory Tonight" and "Follow Your Heart." Home, on our lives, 
And it's interesting, um, on certain editions of Wings of Forever, you can get these demo tracks as bonus tracks. And it's interesting hearing uh, ZP almost does it like an octave lower than Alessio because w- when they would find Alessio Garavello to join the band, um, he had what, I guess, I mean, I don't think he sounds like Michael Kisk, but it's that kind of style, that that kind of high, um, just soaring power metal vocals. And he was recommended by... Um, underground symphony records um because like i said before steve was looking for band members in the uk and um alessio was in a a band called artemis which um andrea martin jelly was also in and uh still is Uh, um alessio is no longer with them he started his own project called a new tomorrow which is more of a kind of just straight up rock group Mm -hmm. um but Alessio comes on board, and and I think that Steve just heard him and was like, "Yeah, this is uh, this is our guy." Um, and, and towards the end of the recording of Wings of Forever, um, Andrea came in and laid down some tracks. I believe he does the guitar solo. That's the intro to the album. Um, and so that was kind of how the um, the band, the initial lineup was uh was formed and i'm gonna check my my liner notes right now because i know i forgot to mention uh the uh, drummer and the drummer at the time was actually it was a drum machine um on that first album and you know something about that it yeah you you Um, can kind of tell because just talk i mean i think you set the stage beautifully this album sounds sonically dated to me and it lacks the punch that some of the future albums basically all the future albums would have and i can totally see why this album puts them on the map and the songwriting is quote-unquote classic uh classic power quest albeit maybe a touch more simplistic than, than some of the stuff that would come later on but that sound really kind of took me out of it a little bit and i forgot how raw it sounded not not better than a demo no question but not quite as good as you know the stuff that would come later even two years later with with um with neverworld it's interesting to me because i have such vivid memories of listening to this disc but i forgot how it 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 sounds dated it just sounds dated not in terms of the style but just in terms of the production right i and i i can understand that I, it doesn't really doesn't really bother me in the same way that I, hey, remember the first time we did a career retrospective and we talked about Shadow Gallery and, uh, oh no, that's a different story. Original drummer Ben Timely. Um, (laughs) you know, there, I guess, I don't know. It's, it's a pretty, uh, it's a pretty convincing drum machine, I think Power Quest has, has used here. Um, but being that it's a keyboard driven band, the fact that the drums are probably coming from a keyboard, it kind of, Kind of fits. Um, I speaking on a, on the whole. I, I this album still to me like is really 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 good. Like there, just some of these songs are some of my all time favorite uh, Power Quest songs, and it's really incredible to me that this is how like this is their first album. Like these, you know, wings of forever, far away, glory tonight, power quest part one. Like, I mean, really every one of these songs is really, really good. 
I like we mentioned far away probably was the first song that both of us had heard them do. And it still, I think is a pretty, um, pretty regular staple in their, in their live set. Um, I know they played it when we saw them in Atlanta and it was pretty cool to hear that and temple of fire. The first two songs I'd ever heard by them played live. Um, but, uh, I think the beginning, like the first, like the first four like full length songs on this album are really out of this world. And I think that I really enjoy the rest of the album, no doubt. But I think like the first four songs are so good that like, it's hard to kind of follow up the second half of the album. Um, with, with anything. I mean, it was just, those are some, to me, like some of the most epic power quest songs of all time. Um, but I mean, I still, uh, freedom of thought is like, that's a song that like I kick myself in the butt for not, you know, going and seeing them play all of wings of forever, which I think I forgot if they did it at like Sabaton open air or something like that. It was a special show. Um, that's a song that like, I don't know if they'll ever play live again. I would love to hear just cause it's just this really cool song. And it's the last of like the full length tracks on the album. Um, there's, if you count like the bonus track gates of tomorrow, it's really just, uh, the last two tracks are, are these instrumental pieces, but, um, I, there's a lot of meat on the bone here for considering that it's like their first album. They don't have a real drummer yet. Um, I, I, I'm curious what your, um, kind of, thoughts are more specifically as far as like individual songs go. I could not agree more with you that the first four full length songs set such a blistering pace, not just in terms of the speed, but just in terms of the quality that the back half of the album is a little bit, I don't want to say pedestrian because it's very good, but it's just not a grand slam like they hit with those first four songs, right? Lots of doubles in there, and you know, singles, doubles, and a triple maybe, but like grand slams at the front end of this album. Power Quest Part 1, which they also played at Prague Power, if memory serves, was an absolute highlight of the show for me. I thought that that song came off so good live, and the way it just picks up steam about halfway through, not in terms of speed, but just in terms of like the the epicness of the, of the whole thing, an absolute highlight. Uh, as far as I, you, you know, obviously we went through the first four songs, which 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 I mentioned are so great. There are some stuff. What was weird to me, I guess, is the way it's structured with distant lands going into the bonus track gates of tomorrow at the back end. It's kind of a weird way to end the album, and I thought it was. It's like you have these four songs up front and these two like guitar driven interludes at the end, in a sense. It was a really weird way to structure the album, and it took me out of it a little bit. It's still a fantastic album, and I can listen to it straight through. But it's definitely something where if I listen, if I if I just have you know twenty minutes or a half an hour of stuff, I'd be okay listening to the front half of the album, and then like not you don't have to listen to the back half because you're talking about perfect songs at the front. Yeah. The, the, so like. Well, I'm going to talk about the the B sides of Power Quest. Yeah, as yeah, we go yeah. Through, they're they're so odd. Um, each one on each album is like very interesting to me. Um, Gates of Tomorrow, I believe, was a, a Japan only, and it's just this four minute, like almost like easy listening electric guitar like solo. I, I when mean, I listened to this track, the first thing I said to myself is 
Joe Satriani, Steve Vai. That's what I thought I was listening to. And it was just weird to end the album with like, I don't know, something that you'd hear off Surfing with the Alien. It was really right. weird, but so, but fun. Like it was, it was just different, like just different. And, and I think that if they would have maybe kind of played with the order a little bit more, I think it would have made the album feel a little more balanced. And then they could have ended it with this and, and it would have been perfectly fine. Yeah. Well, and then, so like Distant Lands is really the, the true last song, if you're not counting bonus tracks um it's 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 like it, it almost has kind of like an uh, an orient an orient feel to it like this kind of almost sounds like a pan flute cut type yeah. of style um it's only like two minutes i think it's it's really meant to be like an outro for the album um and i think freedom of thought is supposed to be like the epic last track um i have to say like the song that really stuck with me was glory tonight and it was from the the really fun like bargain basement music video that they recorded um just like i mean it was like on par with us recording crazy train in nick's backyard except (laughs) they actually were talented um it was just like it really looked like it was filmed in like someone's backyard and it, with interspersed with like pictures of them in the studio and stuff i mean it was it was you know just a guy guys with their camcorder out and they just kind of dubbed some you know dubbed the music over it and it's so it's so corny and goofy and fun but that song is just such a banger it's so fast and catchy and it does it in a way that like I that that Dragon Force would have made it like so guitar like guitar, yes. guitar driven and wanky and, and it would have been 10 minutes long and like you know like I, I just like what Power Quest does better like it, it it's more I don't know it just feels like more of a song and less of a exhibition get that and i'll just add one thing to what you just said i think that part of the reason alessio is so good in this band is because of the way that the songs are constructed i could not imagine him fronting dragon force but he fits like a glove on these early on these early happier again a little less punchy power quest songs and what i never realized is although i love his voice he doesn't have the most powerful set of vocals he just has maybe the most palatable set of vocals, if that makes sense. Because like, you don't ever think of him as up there with like this, this, these golden lungs, even though he's got the range of a, you know, he's, he obviously can go as high as he wants, but it's really just the fact that he sounds like a, like a, I don't know, it's like, like a, like a, like a warm, 
like a like like a like a glove that just fits perfectly for this particular act with that with that you know beautiful voice that he has but he doesn't have that power that some of the other power metal singers do but he doesn't need to for this band yeah agreed like i don't know when you talk about like the high vocals and the power like i think of like a daniel hyman you know um not you know but but like yeah i agree with you like alessio i think just fit perfectly here and so um just to kind of wrap things up on wings of forever um do you have a favorite song and um and uh what what would you rank this album on a scale one to ten I'm partial to Far Away as a song just because it's my first memory of the band, but I have to, I think Power Quest Part One might be my favorite overall song on, on the album. For me, it's like an eight because half the album is a 10, literally a 10 for that first half of the album and some, and, and some spots in the back. Then, then it gets a little, I don't want to say pedestrian, but there's some sixes and six and a halfs just in terms of it's good, but like nothing that I haven't heard already on the album. So overall, I give it an eight, but those two tracks, you know, I'll, I'll always love. And if I was making a best of, those would be the two that I would put on the album for sure with, with an honorable nod to Wings of Forever and Glory Tonight. Yeah, very well said. Um, I also just uh, wanted to mention quickly Immortal Planes because this would be... Yeah. Um, Power Quest, they haven't done it in a while on the recent, I don't even think on the last two full-length albums, uh, maybe even the last three, actually. But the first three albums each have a a power ballad on them. And I, I honestly think that they may get better as each of those three albums goes forward. But um, Immortal Planes is kind of the, the first one. Um when I'm gone, it would be the one on Neverworld, and uh, the message would be the one from Magic Never Dies. So we'll talk more about that when we get to those albums. But um, I just wanted to bring that up because it, it shows that the band also is not just writing, you know, these wicked, like fast-paced bangers. You know, you mentioned Power Quest Part One, which I think definitely is in the discussion for best song on this album. That kind of has more of a mid-paced kind of marching kind of 100%. vibe to it. So, I mean, the band pretty much covers all, you know, all, all three of the general tempos that you can go on a power metal album. And I think for me, I, I mean, I, it, I don't know that anything is going to be rated much lower than like an 8.5 for me throughout sure. this discussion. Sure. Um, but, um, this album would probably be a nine for me. Um, just cause, uh, it just that the first, the beginning of it is so strong and the rest of it is, is, really good um i I just uh i i go back to this album and i just always it's so enjoyable for me and they follow it up with this this the the like this is the godfather two of of power metal uh sophomore (laughs) like and and, and by the way another album that's both both this the the debut and neverworld both produced and engineered by Carl Groom of Threshold. I never knew that up until this week. That's bananas to me. And obviously Richard West, also from Threshold, was one of the engineers on this one. That's fascinating to me because when I hear Power Quest, I don't hear Threshold. But Threshold is obviously one of my favorite bands. We've talked about them in the archives. We had a you know, we had a we had an awesome chat with with Richard West. It's amazing to me that um they were involved in this project that has this sounds nothing like 
like threshold. Yeah, and I was like joking to you earlier in the week that they should have gone on tour together, and then I looked it up and I realized that because of that connection, Threshold asked Power Quest to open for them. So I mean, talk about getting your your, yeah, talk about getting your power and your prog. Um, That what a nice like little package that was. I, I I really wish I could have seen. I mean, two of my. Uh, you know, one of my favorite power metal bands, one of my favorite prog metal bands. I mean, doesn't get much better than that. It'd be like Dream Theater touring with Halloween. Oh, I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. Um, but, you know, they, they released this album in 2002, and then the next year they come out with Neverworld, which I, I, I have to say, for many people, at least I think more casual fans, I think a lot of people think Neverworld really is your Godfather Part Two, like, one of the best power metal albums of all time. I know you agree. I'm curious at the end, if you're going to give it the 10 that I think you might, this album is so freaking good. It was like, they took that first album, they improved the songwriting, they improved the production and they just made it more consistent throughout the entire thing. I I like in a nutshell, that's how I would sum up Neverworld. It, It is damn near perfect. And they got a drummer. Yeah. And they got a drummer. That's right. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Andre uh, Andre Bargman uh, would join the band very briefly. Um, I believe he did not even tour uh, for this album. I think he came in, did his uh, did his thing in the studio. And um, if I if my um, my liner note memory <laughs> uh, is is correct, and Steve can correct me if I'm wrong when we talk to him, but I'm pretty sure he went um, to med school. And that's why he couldn't uh, keep up with the the responsibilities in the band. So he came in. He was. I might be confusing him with Gavin Ward, who came in and replaced um, Andre. He was there briefly for uh, some of the touring for Neverworld, and then Francesco Tresca, um, who would be the third Italian uh, to join Power Quest, uh, he would stay on board um, all the way until. Um, the band's first kind of big um, reconstruction, which was uh, right before Blood Alliance was released. Um, so, yeah, um, I just want to make sure we're not missing anything because this band does have quite a few um, <laughs> uh, lineup changes, yeah. to say the least. But um, uh, Alessio also played guitar. Um, and so he kind of helped out in that respect after Sam Totman left, he kind of became the resident rhythm guitarist and Andrea would be their kind of lead guitarist. Um, so this was, um, kind of the, this was like pretty much the lineup for the next couple of albums, um, with, um, Francesco Tresca joining as the drummer shortly after, um, but, you know, these were your guys, uh, you know, Steve Williams, Steve Scott, um, Andrea Martingelli, and, and Alessio Garavello. Um, Sam did help out on this album, but this would I kind of be the end for him uh, as part of Power Quest as he would go on to, um, you know, really go full time with, with Dragon Force. But, um, boy, this album just really, um, it just starts out. Guns a blazing, and it just doesn't ever stop. It's just from the from the top from top to bottom. Um, it, it's unbelievable. Neverworld is arguably my favorite Power Quest song ever. It's one of my favorite songs ever written by any band. 
Um, the fact that they finished their set at Prague Power with the song, it could have been, I could have been, couldn't have asked for anything better. Um, it's nine minutes of just like power metal joy. And it doesn't uh, drag. There's not, it does not feel like nine minutes. It feels like four and a half and a fast four and a half, if that makes sense. It's, it, it, it is, it is a masterpiece on, on an album where there's a lot of really good songs. That is also one of my all time favorites by anyone. This, this song, I, I just hold up as, as if I said, summarize this band in, in one song, I probably play Neverworld. And this is a song that could have been the last song on the album, and they were like, no, it's the first song. (laughs) And it's funny, in my notes I have, it was a bold move to put this as the first song. They could have easily ended the album with it, but the irony is they kind of end the album with another, like, quirky, enchanting, I mean, I'm not even getting to the bonus tracks, but, like, Lost Without You is, in its own way, a very enchanting epic tune in and of itself. So like they didn't need it's even to, longer. Yeah. Never and they didn't need to put never world last because even though it would have fit, they have an epic, you know, t- 10 and a half minute song at the end. It, it's, it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, the album just chugs along temple of fire is track two, which that, like I said before, is the second song I ever heard by the band. And that just is, yeah. And it just, and it's another one that's just this fast paced, like power metal epic. Edge of Time is one of the songs that, like, I think the more I hear it, the more I love this song. It's so, it's so good. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Power Quest Part One and the fact that, like, it's more of a mid-tempo song compared yeah. to and it has Fire, but dancey groove throughout it. Very eighties inspired. Really cool. Although I think the last minute is by far the best part of the song. Like the way this thing ends is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, the like the the you know he goes up the key change goes up yes, and yes, I love yeah, it. I, I'm a sucker um, for that, and it's just fantastic. Yeah, so like this is I think on an album full of great songs like Edge of Time, I think is is right up at the very top. It might be might be my second favorite song on this album.
then Sacred Land, another one. Um, this song just about like this, this march to war kind of song. Um, so the, the opening um, keyboard intro, I mean, they, Steve just sucks you in like with the, the, the how catchy these and, and melodic, these, these like these keyboard riffs that he writes. I mean, and then this just like is another fast paced song. And, and just the fact that like the keyboards are kind of leading the way and the keyboards are really the star and the guitars are more of like a, you know, uh, supporting oh, act. Yep. Yep. And, 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 and like you said at the onset, like, yeah, I think I gravitate more towards that style. It just works for me. It, it sounds more pleasant to my ear. So this is another one. That's just another banger. And then as I kind of, um, you know, prefaced earlier about the, the power ballads when I'm gone, um, what a beautiful song and, and it, it's like jump in here. I'm, I'm just babbling. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like this ballad a lot better. And I think that that's part of the reason I think the album as a whole is better because the ballad on here is actually much, much better. Well-constructed it's cheesy, but like, you know what you're going to get when you listen to power metal. So like, I, I, I give that a pass forevermore is another favorite. Obviously that's, that is a head banging tune. If I've ever heard of one and just a phenomenal chorus. Um, I, I completely forgot about well of souls. I'll be honest oh, with you. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I forgot about it, but this, it starts with this like grandiose epic feel to it. It kind of pulls back a little bit, but it's another classic song. And then Into the Light, which is more of like it starts with a drum fill, which you never hear from this band. It's usually either keyboards or guitars or vocals. A, a gem at the end of the disc. This this album, I mean, I'll, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. This is my favorite album. I think there's one or two others that are right up there with it. But this album is damn near perfect. And I, I'm not going to get into the details as to why I don't give it a 10. I will say that there's certain sections of songs which maybe take me out of it a little bit or or like there's quirkiness of, of different things on like Lost Without You. It's a fantastic song. It's a little bit quirky. Um, I, I love the fact that the Eden Bridge singer is on there as well as obviously on, on, on the When I'm Gone bonus track version. But like there's there's a lot to love about this disc. It's a nine for me. It is really, really good. And I would put it up there in the top tier of power metal along with all the classics that we've talked about this is right up there with them uh very well said um yeah the, the this last track lost without you is just this it's just this monster's track and like you said uh sabine edelsbacher who is the you know still the lead singer of eden bridge um does some guest vocals here which i think like provides a really nice counterpoint to alessio's vocals um the song has different uh cadences and tempos and it's just like this journey um it it's like if it wasn't for this song i would argue yeah neverworld should have been the last song but this is perfect to kind of cap things off um so it's just these two epic songs sandwiched by you know what seven or yeah seven just great songs um six of them are just like power metal bangers one of them is a power ballad um i mean to me this album is as good as it gets this is this is a 10 for me this is uh 
This is a ten. Um, I had I a love- feeling it would be. It's it, it's it's if you're a fan of this band, you are gonna love this album. There's there's no question. And and then to just top it all off, there's this bonus track that does not fit the Power Quest style of these first two albums whatsoever, called "Find the Way to the Top," which I actually asked Steve about this song years ago and he, he just told me, oh, the Italian guys wrote this one. <laughs> and I, was, I was wondering, it, it is kind of a, a real outlier, but it's more this like song, AOR. This song is catchy as hell. It is. I actually thought it was a cover the first time I heard it. It's like more AOR than it is power metal, but like it doesn't belong on this album, but for it being a bonus track, but as a bonus track, it's awesome. Yeah, it's almost like it was kind of a... a like a preview of where Alessio's vibe would go when he, you know, cause his band, a new tomorrow is definitely more AOR than, than metal. Um, but, uh, I think this song is so catchy. Um, I really enjoy it. And it, it's kind of fun that like, even the song, the album's already a 10 for me. And then here's probably my favorite power quest bonus track just to top it all off. And then, and then there's just a really cool version of when I'm gone that, um, they had Sabine do all the vocals for, which is kind of just a nice counterpoint to the uh, original version. And it's cool to hear it sung by, uh, somebody else. And I guess being that she was, you know, there, um, they figure why not? Like, uh, I believe that was also another Japanese bonus track, but, um, yeah. Um, do you have a, a favorite song on this album? Would it be Neverworld, do you think? Or I think it would have to be. And, and it's so cliche to say because, like, I mean, I, I it's an epic. It starts the album. It's so easy to not go. Let's put it this way. That's my favorite. There's probably no question about it. But if I had to go with a second one, I'd probably go Forevermore. I think that that's just such a catchy tune. If I had to pick a second one, um, I, I just – I don't know how Alessio sings the chorus. He hits notes that, like, in my wildest dreams, I could never hit. But it's just so catchy with those, like, ambient keys during the verses. I love this song. And and I think that the background vocals make it pop in such a way where it's just, you just want to, it puts a smile on my face. So that would be my, my kind of, like, my, my one B if I had to choose one. Nice, yeah. My big three are Neverworld, Edge of Time, and Well of Souls, personally. Nice. Um but uh, that probably shouldn't surprise anyone based on my proclivities that I've made very clear over <laughs> the course of 100 episodes of this uh, this podcast. So um, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, you know, Francesco Tresco would join the band and, and uh, Sam Totman would kind of uh, quietly take his leave. And um, we get uh, Magic Never Dies, which um, we were, uh, you know, hoping to hear performed in its entirety at Prague Power this past year, but um, didn't happen. I'm still ho- holding out hope that the band plans on um, playing this album in its entirety somewhere. I will try my damnedest to be wherever it is that it happens, as I did not get to see the um, the first two albums performed in their entirety. Um, I'm just going to say on the outset, I think that this album definitely gives Neverworld a run for its money. And, and as far as what you were saying, um, what like fans um, generally accept as the best Power Quest album, I've heard this album in the conversation along with Neverworld. This is a quarter of a point lower for me, and I'll just let the cat out of the bag. 
This is an 8.75 for me. And considering the glowing review I just gave of Neverworld, this is one tick below that. It, 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 it sounded better to me than it has ever. And I've listened to this album a bunch, but for some reason, it really just hit the sweet spot this time and it kind of ascended for me. If you would have asked me before we recorded, I would have said, Oh, it's probably an eight. It's much closer to a nine than it is an eight. Um, there are songs on this album which, like, I, I just completely forgot about. But then having listened to them again, I'm like, wow, I, I, I just – it wasn't in the forefront of my consciousness. But now that I'm listening to it again, it's so, so good. Um, just – I'm going to just give you some random factoids, if you will, and then I want you oh. to jump in. I listened to Galaxies Unknown and I actually hear a little bit of Galaxies by Stradivarius, which I thought was crazy. But – just a much faster version of Galaxies by Stradivarius, especially with the keys and the drumming, which I thought was really, really cool. Hold On to Love is another like AOR meets the Scorpions or Pretty Maids type of thing going on. It should have been in the Karate Kid. I loved it. It was really, really cool. Um, Children of the Dream, another almost narrative-like power metal tune. I, I don't love the chorus, but it definitely grew on me as the week went on. Um Another World, which is just an absolute epic, epic slow build song, almost with like a creepy type of intro. I love this track. It is perfectly put together. And then, of course, Magic Never Dies on the back end, uh, just like the perfect closer before the bonus track. This, And, of course, Find My Heaven, which is probably the, 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 the one you want to sing along to the most and really just satisfies my need for that, like, pass me my sword and let me sing as I go into battle. There's some gems on this album. I just, it's a tick below Never, uh, Neverworld. I can't even tell you why. Maybe it's just a bias that I had coming into it, but this is damn near close. And I'm wondering if, is it a 10 for you as well? Or is it just a, you know, a 9.75? It's a 9.75. <laughs> okay. So you agree. It's a, it's a, it's a tick less. Yeah, the only knock is that it's not Neverworld. I mean, that's. Right. That's right. like, you know, it's it's a 10 if if Neverworld doesn't <laughs> exist. Um it's it's just like the some of the songs that aren't like the top 3 or 4 for me are just a shade underneath the songs that aren't the top 3 or 4 for me on Neverworld, but I mean it is it's freaking close. I mean, it's really close. Um you have this great really epic uh, two-minute intro with Ascension. It goes into Find My Heaven, which uh, is also in the pantheon of favorite Power Quest songs of all time for me.
my iTunes says I've listened to this song 115 times, and I am not even close to tired of hearing it. I, I, this is a song I hear, and it just perks me up. It makes me feel better about whatever it is that I'm not feeling so good about. And it's there's just something about it so friggin' life-affirming and positive, and it's, it's just so good. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a bunch of songs. I'll, I'll kind of fill in the blanks. Um the message. Oh with, yeah. Yeah. Easily in my opinion, power quests, best power ballad, just really powerful stuff about, um, really about like getting broken up with over like an answering machine, which we might have to explain to the kids today what an answering machine <laughs> is. It's Very like cool. a, voicemail with a, but with a cassette tape, um, haunting. Like, it's just like, I get chills at the end of that song where you actually hear the message. I mean, I, it's ooh, like, it's, it actually sends shivers down my spine. Yeah, and I think Steve's girlfriend actually recorded that, uh, um, really? at least I think so from the liner notes. Um, but, um, it's a it's a breakup song. It's it's about like I mean, I initially thought like Steve wrote it based on an actual thing that happened because it's it's literally about like the girl breaking up with him because he's on the road too much and and you know like because he's in a band and he's not you know paying enough attention to the relationship. But I mean, it's something that I think is relatable, and it's just constructed in this really soulful like. Something that, again, of all these songs, this was one of the ones I was really looking forward to hearing live um, because it's probably one of those songs you won't hear live again. Um, which, and there's a whole bunch of songs on here that, like, I think, you know, would be cool to hear uh, live. I, Strike Force is a song that I remember when I was living with Brian, he, he loved this song. He's like, there's something about just, he really made you want to get up out of your seat and just like conquer the world. Like he, he loved this song. And like you mentioned, magic never dies is such a great way to just cap off the album with kind of a song, like in the same vein as find my heaven, where it's just this like life affirming, positive, fast paced, uh, you know, just great tune to finish things off. Um, it's just, just, it's just that, 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 you know, that, that frog's hair, as Steve Austin would say, shy of what I considered perfection. But I mean, you know, that's pretty much the, the biggest knock on it is that it's, it just had to follow one of the greatest power metal albums ever. But to that end, if I was going to go back and listen to an early power quest album, 
this is the one I would listen to because I I know Neverworld so well, and I kind of I don't want to say glossed over, but I I really appreciated this album a lot more this time around, and I saw the brilliance in it that I'd probably grab Magic Never Dies if you said go listen to an early Power Quest album, just because I feel like there's a lot of room for growth there, whereas Neverworld is already kind of topped out. I know what it is, and I love it. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Honestly, I mean, I definitely like if I have to choose like which album of theirs if I just want to listen to one. Like it's it's a matter of what have I listened to least recently, or just what am I in the mood for? And and I'm I'm really looking forward to getting into the next couple of albums because I feel like things start to get a little bit more varied. Like I feel like they 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 start to experiment a little bit more with their sound and and where like I feel like the you know the first three albums were like a bam bam bam. You kind of like can see that progression, but um, I feel like they kind of change things up a little bit with with Master of Illusion, which. Um, just to go back, um, Wings of Forever, 2002, Neverworld, 2003, Magic Never Dies, 2005, and then we move on to Master of Illusion, which is 2008, and this would mark the the last album with um, this pretty much, yeah, this entire, everyone in the band except Steve, this would be their last appearance. Um, Bill Hudson, I believe, did a little bit of uh, touring um, I know he has um, he has some guest spots. Some uh, I believe on Magic Never Dies, or maybe on um, Human Machine. Um, I, I will have to check my my pile of liner notes. Um, yeah. He was I don't know if he was ever like an official member of Power Quest, but he definitely was involved, and, and he's now the uh, the guitar player for um, North Tail. Uh, yeah, he has he does a guitar solo on the Vigil. Um, Jorn Vigo Lofstad from Pagan's Mind has a guitar solo on Never Again. Richard West has a keyboard solo on Human Machine. Bob uh, Katsionis from Firewind has a keyboard solo on Save the World. So um, there's uh, there's a lot of uh, guests coming in, helping out here. Uh, I think PowerQuest has definitely made some friends in the metal world at this point. Um I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about this album because this has always been a really, of all their albums, this to me has always been their most interesting one. I would say this or the next one for sure. This one, you can, a couple of years later, they upgrade the production. Alessio is much higher in the mix, which I think is a really, really good thing because he was kind of a little bit further down. I don't, I didn't know this album as well as the other three. I knew about the guest appearances, but they, there's something different about this album. And it was a real departure for them in terms of like, I don't know, they were just trying something different. And, and I totally respect that. If you are looking for, um, if you are looking for that happy, go lucky power metal sound, you kind of get it with Cemetery Gates and then you don't get it for the rest of the album, which I think is really, really interesting because when I hear the opening of this album, I'm like, oh, it's, 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 it's the power quest I know and love. And that Cemetery Gates song is so catchy. It's, it's absolutely perfect.
And then for the next like 10 tracks, it's just very, very different. Um, you have slower songs like Human Machine with like these experimental choruses. You have uh, Civilized, which is much more hard rock than it is power metal. Actually reminds me of Vandenplas in certain spots, which I never thought I would say. Um, Kings there's, of the there's a there's a darkness yes to the album. There's that- no there. Th- this is not happy flower power metal in many spots. Uh, Kings of Eternity has like this bluesy guitar solo, which almost has like a Zeppelin vibe. Um, Master of Illusion is completely different. It zigs when you think it's going to zag. It's a very experimental tune. Harsh vocals used for the first time on the vigil. Wait, that's not something you talk about with Power Quest. I think Save the World is absolutely fantastic. It's an absolute gem towards the back half of this album. Um, Hearts and Voices, I don't believe in forever, in Friends Forever. I, I don't love it. But then it ends with Never Again, which I think is a fantastic, fantastic song and, and a really cool Megadeth cover of Reckoning Day at the end. This album is so unbalanced to me just because I, I can never get into a groove. I don't know I don't know where it's going and and if I was listening to it for the first time it's like truly like a roller coaster ride with the bumps. I don't hate it. I actually like it quite a bit. I just I it, it's a step down from some of these other albums we've talked about just because it's so herky jerky to me although the songs in a vacuum are quite good. I would give it a 7.75. Um but it's it was a fascinating journey to go back and listen to this thing just because it was so um diverse and something that you really can't say about a lot of the other albums it has a diversity to it which which i commend it for i am so glad i let you go first because you just pretty much like vocalized what i what i was thinking but in a way that i don't think i was capable of of saying (laughs) um i I, i'm like right right there with you um there are, and I've said this about this album before. There are songs on this album that are, in my opinion, some of the best Power Quest songs ever. And um, for me, Cemetery Gates, Human Machine, and Master of Illusion, especially those three songs, are my my big three on this yep. album. But um, I am starting to pick up that Steve assuming that he's doing the bulk of the the lyric writing here, Steve is starting to get, um, he's starting to kind of like write about the, the ills of the world and kind of like, you know, especially like civilized, um, never again, hearts and voices save the world. It's like, it's like the world is on fire and we're not doing anything about it. And I, I feel like, um, you didn't really get that kind of um, that kind of lyrical content on those first three albums. It almost feels like Steve's starting to really like explore kind of a more like almost cause oriented kind of vibe, which I totally dig. I love that, but I agree with you that like musically, the song does the the album does tend to kind of bounce around, and it. I think, I think that it maybe if the order was different, I might feel a little bit differently because i think maybe the fact that like my three favorite songs are within the first five tracks might have something to do it um human machine is like i think such an underrated song um because 
I don't know that they ever did a song that's like this, and I just feel like they really nailed this this style. Everything about it is so good to me. Yeah, Civilized is great. The Vigil I really enjoy. Um, I agree with you. I think Hearts and Voices and I Don't Believe in Friends Forever are kind of like my two outliers. I don't love them as much as the rest of the album. But then again, yeah, it ends up, it ends with Never Again, which I think is is a really strong way to end the album. A very cool Megadeth cover, as you mentioned. This is my first time hearing the song Reckoning Day was Power Quest performing it, not Megadeth. So, um, Richard West, I believe does uh, guest keyboards on this, um, cover. Um, but I think you pretty much, um, said everything that I, I, I could have tried to say. Um, it's, it's still a power quest album. So it's, um, I would, I would say it's a 8.5 for me. Um, I still love it because of who it is and what it is. Um, I just don't like it. I just don't hold it in the same regard as the first three albums. Um, it's, it's it's not it's not power metal royalty, but it's just a power metal. But it's an album that you love. You know, but you I'm glad that you did it because, like, you know, I, I I forgot who said it. It might have been Pat. It said we didn't need ten keeper of the seven keys. Like, I like that. Like, they wanted to try something a little bit different and write songs a little bit different, and that's why. I find that this album is is actually more interesting and more memorable just because there's more things going on and and it's 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 just a very interesting album and um I'm really looking forward to kind of picking Steve's brain especially about this and then the next album Blood Alliance um but um I would say uh yeah yeah um 8.5 for me and uh and uh, my big three, like I said, Cemetery Gates, Kings of Eternity, or I'm sorry, Cemetery Gates, Human Machine, and, and Master of Illusion. Love, love Master of Illusion. Um, very, kind of, probably the closest to, like, the classic Power Quest sound of those first three albums, kind of still peeking its way in. So, at this point in time, um, and again, this will be better off told by Steve, but my understanding was that Steve wanted to, he was having a hard time with having so many band members that were not local to him and trying to, to like do tours and record stuff. And it was just becoming difficult. And so he, his, his thought was to kind of reform the band with all local musicians and, 
um, Chitty Samapala, who, for all I know, was it located in the UK at the time. Uh, he's Sri Lankan by birth. Um, a really interesting choice to replace Alessio, um, and we'll we'll definitely talk about that at length. But um, just to point out um, who else would uh, join the the band um, briefly, Pete Morton of Threshold fame was very briefly the vocalist for Power Quest after Alessio left the band. Um, but um, for whatever reason, that didn't work out, and Shitty was brought on to, to record this album. Uh, Andy Midgley would be brought on uh, to play guitar. Uh, Gav Owen would be uh, the other guitarist brought on. Paul Finney, who we will definitely be talking quite a bit about. Um, he, from my understanding, was part of the band kind of behind the scenes the whole time. And um, at this point in time, he would become their, their full-time bass player. Uh, little known fact, Oliver Holsworth um, of Holsworth fame, uh, <laughs> power metal royalty, that name. Uh, he played bass briefly in between Steve Scott and Paul. And Rich Smith, who is their uh, drummer to this day, uh, he that this is when he would join the band. So, whole new lineup, uh, Steve Williams still on keyboards, and, and they bring in uh, Red Circuit vocalist uh, Chitty Samapala, and this is a very different um, vocal style compared to what we had just heard Alessio do for four straight albums. Um, again, I'm super, super excited to hear your thoughts on this album, because I have vivid memories of waiting for this album to come out and and like just downloading it the second it came out and listening to it like crazy um and it just felt like it had been ages that i'd been waiting for this next power quest album and uh so i have a lot of very like vivid memories of this album's release um i imagine you probably listened to it shortly after it came out. Uh, so I'm curious what your thoughts were then, what your thoughts are now and, and your thoughts. I will give you all of them, but I, more than thoughts, I have questions and I will save some of them for when we, when we talk to Steve, but I'm so curious as to why Chitty and like what, I mean, to your point, I know why the lineup changed, but I thought he was such an interesting choice. I love Red Circuit. I think that they are basically a Vandenplas clone, but they do it so well. And I thought he was such a good singer. I think he was on Civilization One or Evidence One. He was he, Chitty has been on a number of good albums that I like. He is not a great fit for this band, in my opinion, and it's a shame because as I went back to this album, the songs are really good. He is not a really good choice to sing them. And I am dying to know, and I will ask the question, whether these songs were written with Alessio in mind and then Chitty came in and sang them or were they written for Chitty to sing? And I have a feeling it's probably half and half, but some of these songs were Alessio songs that were kind of retooled for Chitty. And the reason I say that, and I have no inside information, but the reason I say that is some of these songs are really good, but then you, but there's just a flatness to the, to the overall presentation. I think rising anew has 
the feel of a really good power metal song, but with Chitty singing and he just doesn't fit the song. Like, I don't know. I, another example would be glorious. That, that to me is an Alessio song that just Alessio isn't singing on. Um, now that being said, I think that the production here by and large is really, really good. I think Sacrifice is a fantastic tune. It's a it's it's a straight up metal song. It's really got more of a hammerfall vibe than anything else, but I think it's really, really well done. I think Better Days is a very memorable tune. Um Crunching the Numbers, we we joke about this song. This might be my favorite song on the album. I just wish that quite frankly, I wish that like somebody else was singing it. For me, I think that um, it's an epic sounding tune that they kind of throw a couple of things together, but somehow it sticks really, really well. It's like two songs in one, but it's catchy and like it stays in your head. Blood Alliance, another epic, epic tune, kind of proggy in a way. This is a very good album, but it's just... A, it's just a little bit of a miss for me. And so all in all, it's probably a 7.75, but I would love to see Ashley sing this entire album and have it re-recorded. And I probably would give it closer to a nine. Okay. <laughs> do we agree um, or do we disagree? We, we agreed at a, at one point in time. We don't agree anymore. Okay. Um, when this album first came out, everything you just said was pretty much how I felt. I felt that something felt flat. Shitty didn't mesh. Like I go back and listen to it now, and I, it, it to me the songwriting is so good on this album um, that I don't even care that like it's not Alessio. I, I think it's an interesting. I don't know that I would have wanted Power Quest to have this kind of style vocalist forever. But I, 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 I'm not mad that, that this album came out. It's it's such an interesting, and again, it's going to be really interesting to hear what Steve has to say about it. But, um, I don't have any, I really don't have a problem with this album, uh, from the, the standpoint of the, the vocalist. Um, I think that this is their finest production production wise. Um, uh, so thus far, um, and in all honesty, I think that the the songwriting and believe it or not, crunching the numbers is probably my least favorite song on really? this album. Okay. Um, because I just the rest of the songs are so good, glorious, sacrifice, survive, better days, only in my dreams. Oh my god, only in my dreams is incredible.
Blood Alliance, one of the best Power Quest songs ever, as far as I'm concerned. City of Lies, which in a lot of ways I think is Power Quest Part 3, just the way that it kind of trails off at the end with that theme from Power Quest, I would call it. And then Time to Burn, which was a... That should have been on the album. Isn't What an yeah. amazing song. Like, I agree completely. It could have been on this album, like, full stop. And you could have um, put it at the front end of the album. You could have made that the third track, and nobody would have batted an eyelash. Yeah, this was, like, one of... This is the first Power Quest B-side that I think actually fits the rest of the album. Um, maybe because there weren't any Italian guys left to write weird songs. Um, I, it's, I'm looking back, I didn't even bring up The Longest Night, which was the bonus track on, on Magic Never Dies, which like has like a um, this kind of echoey thing where it sounds like Alessio's trying to do a, a killer's song. Um, and a, a catchy song, but again, doesn't really fit the, the rest of the album. But um, Time to Burn just like fits right in here. But I like... I don't feel like these songs were written for Alessio. I feel like these songs were written for Chitty because it like Chitty's range is almost like an octave lower than um, Alessio. And, and he has to me more of a soulful and, and kind of deeper voice. It's, it's like this completely different take on, on power quest. And I've really come to, to appreciate it. And, and what I'll say about Ash is that, um, when we talk about Nightwish and how the first singer is this one particular way and the second singer is this other particular way and then this third singer comes along and she's able to just knock both eras out of the park and this is where I think Ash becomes the perfect current singer for this band because I think that he can handle any of the material that has come out on these five albums that have been released thus far. And that's why I think that he has that kind of soulful deepness that Chitty has, but also can handle the high-pitched stuff that Alessio had, and I think with more power than Alessio had. You took all the words right out of my mouth. I was going to use the same comparison and just say it's the combination of versatility and power which makes him the ideal choice to replace both of those guys because he can do both styles. Obviously I want to get to sixth dimension, which is the newest album, but before we get there, I I didn't hear your score on blood Alliance. If I did, I might've missed it. Yeah. um, uh, Blood Alliance for me is um, an 8.75 bordering closely. I've almost, it's close to a nine. Uh, I'll say eight point, Eight seven five. <laughs> Very good. Um, but you know, it's but, funny. Uh, yeah. Um, After that, album, Blood Alliance definitely my favorite song on the album.
Yeah, Better Days and, and Only in My Dreams, I think, are, are two really excellent songs, too. And like you said, I'd love I'd love to hear Ash sing this whole album at some point. Oh, I, I could not agree more there. You know, I had alluded to that earlier. What happens for the band, though? Because they essentially go on like a extended hiatus. Um, for well, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't it wasn't uh, presented that way. It was presented as this band is done. Um, right, but it would ultimately be an extended hiatus insofar as they would right. come back some years later. Yeah, so you know, according to Steve, um, he was just pouring his his own money into this band to the point where. Um, he was basically saying if he kept, he said if he kept doing this, he would have like lost his house. So I think that it just became a, like, you know, it became like a life choice. Um, this isn't working, um, you know, financially. And it's always been, this band has always been a labor of love for, for Steve and everybody that's been in it. Um, that was the reason. And, I can't tell you how heartbroken I was. I thought I was heartbroken in 2009 when they were supposed to play Prague Power and they got denied their visa and couldn't come and play. But nothing would compare to the heartbreak when I found out that this band broke up. I was devastated. I would imagine that, like, it must have been the feeling that, like, when Michael Kisk leaves Halloween and you think that they're about to disband, but here they actually announce this is it, right? The the, the band's over. Um, you know, it's funny. We hear, we hear about bands breaking up all the time. Many times they come back. But with a band like this that really never took it to that level of stardom where they were – you know, doing full headlining runs in Europe and, and, and doing, you know, potentially tours or shows in the U.S. And, and, and around the rest of the world, there had to be a belief that this really was it, you know, was it when they when they said it was over, that there was no guarantee that they were coming back. Right. And you know what? Um, I did. I, God, I, I would have been mad at myself if I had forgotten to mention um, before the band broke up, uh, Chitty ended up leaving and a funny story i ran into chitty at Prague power um when red circuit was playing and i we were in the vendor room and i was just like oh chitty like i'm a big fan of of uh you uh, you and your band power quest and um and then like we sang crunching the numbers together and then he just looks at me and he goes yeah by the way i'm not in that band anymore that's how i found out chitty was not in power quest anymore cuz it was before anything was officially announced um my it's my uh, favorite um my favorite power quest member to never record with power quest mr colin callanan uh came in i had never heard of this man in my life he came in and kind of closed out the power quest, this first era of power quest as their vocalist. Um, all I know him from is YouTube videos because that's all really all that exists. This guy was an incredible vocalist. He was really good. And, and I sent you a couple of tra- uh, clips of him uh, singing some of the older stuff. And he would do this, um, you know, and we'll talk with Ash about this, but, um, there was a, a last show, a last headline show at the under the underworld, the underground underworld, underworld. In, in the UK. Um, and, and so he's their lead vocalist, and Ash would actually come out and, and sing some of uh, Neverworld, and Alessio was there, and it was a really great 
celebration and goodbye at the time. And then the, the band would go on to play, I think, one uh, festival show. And that was their final, final show. So, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we mentioned Colin uh, because I just I always thought he was such a good fit for the band. And um, I just thought he was a really good vocalist as far as... I mean, if you could sound good on a, on a YouTube video taken off of somebody's cell phone, I mean, you're probably pretty decent. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think I saw, like, live footage of a, or a live stream of him singing his first show with the band, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember when they announced him, he was great. And, like, you had sent me clips from his other band. I think he was more of a prog guy, or he sang with... Um, another prog band for very, very shortly, about five or six years ago. And I was so impressed. I, I believe they were called Memoreve. They came out with an EP called Insignia. I thought it was awesome. I'm like, this guy's got some set of pipes. I, I, I would love to hear more from him just as a singer, obviously not with PowerQuest. Um, but for, for a short while, he was uh, you know hol- holding the microphone for them, and he did a good job. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, was, I was really expecting to hear when the band would – reunite that he was going to be their vocalist but um they made an an even better choice in my opinion and uh getting back to to what we were saying you know uh i started to become of the belief you know steve went on to do um to play keyboards with eden's curse um another band that essentially ended and then they they just recently (laughs) announced that they're back together um Steve would go on to write a song, or at least co-write a song for Ian's Curse that remains, to this day, one of my favorite songs ever. It's it's easily my favorite Eden's Curse song, but it, I, it's it's it just really spoke volumes to me how how Steve how great a songwriter Steve was that he wrote this song that I don't think would work as a Power Quest song. Uh, the song is Utopian Dreams. Um, it's on their uh, 2016 Cardinal album. Um, if you don't know the song, go out of your way to go check it out. It is just an absolute banger of a song. Um, and, and and there's another song on the album called Messiah complex. I don't know if Steve had anything to do with that, but that's another song that's just phenomenal. But those, those two songs, I I was excited to become a fan of of Eden's curse, knowing that Steve was a part of it. Um, and, and the fact that he actually got to like write some music too was, was super cool, but there was always something. And I, I know I said it to you and I said it to a lot of people during this time. I'm, you know, consistently going back and listening to the old power quest stuff. And it just dawns on me. It's like 
somebody doesn't write music like this just because they can to, for a paycheck. Like this is this is music that that's from the heart and it, and it goes to other people's hearts. It's heart to heart music. And I just said to myself, there's no way that somebody who writes music the way Steve writes music is going to be able to not write music. He's he just it's it's who he is. He has to. Um, right. Whether it's an outlet or just the creative need, there is he must do this because it like almost makes him who he is. Is I think what you're trying to say, right? And I think I started. I might he might have kind of hinted to me that there were some inklings that maybe the band would reunite in some form or fashion, and sure enough, the big announcement comes. After three years, <laughs> I believe it was in 2016, all of a sudden, PowerQuest is back. Um, and I was psyched, but I, I, I don't think I was terribly surprised. I think it, was, it felt like it was only a matter of time before like that creative itch needed to be scratched. And uh, so Steve would come back with most of the same lineup from... Uh, Blood Alliance. Um, Gav Owen would bring um, over his brother Dan Owen. Uh, so brothers on uh, lead guitars. Um, Paul Finney would return to play the bass. Um, Rich Smith would return to play the drums. But uh, we have a new member of Power Quest, and it would be the new singer and their current singer to this day, Dendera vocalist Ashley Edison. Uh, who we were, are going to speak to as well as Steve this week. So you'll get to hear from both of them. And, and we'll let Ash tell the story of how uh, he joined this band. But um, I wasn't super familiar with Dendera at this point. Were you? Like, Did you know what to expect when he, was, when he joined the band? No, if anything, I think I checked out Dendera when I found out that he was announced for this band. I don't know that they were on my radar. I'm glad I did. They they are not a power metal band. They don't sound like Power Quest, and I think that speaks to Ash's range as a vocalist because he's able to kind of go back and forth between this and what's more of a metal, heavy metal slash almost a metalcore thing that they have going on with a you know some very very heavy tunes with, with Dendera. It goes back and forth seamlessly, um, but that's kind of how they got on on my radar, and then I wound up going back and picking up their stuff, you know, kind of in reverse or whatever. So I, I hope that they are doing something new and I look forward to hearing new stuff from them. Um, but he, he, he comes in and then, like I said, he, he can tell the story about how he started this band, but he, he, um, what, what a talent and what a find he was a talk about a diamond in the rough. He was, he was the perfect blend as we just talked about for this band. And they come out with, Face the Raven, an EP in 2016, where they come out with one new song and kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was like, I think one old song re-recorded and then, you know, it was a short three-track EP. Three new songs and and one. That's it. And and Blood Alliance re-recorded with Ash. That's it. And then in 2017, they would come out with Sixth Dimension, a fitting name for their sixth album, which would be basically nine bangers of of a song or nine songs that would all be, you know, a lot of bangers on this one. And it was just kind of like the next extension, at least in my mind, in terms of 
where this band was going. Whereas the Blood Alliance was a little bit, again, I thought it was very good songs with, with a little bit of a, a singer that may not have fit perfectly, at least for me. This was the next extension, pristine sound, pristine mix with a clear, full, rich sound, which was something that I missed especially on that first album, but even on like some of the Neverworld, you know, it, it didn't have some of the punch that, that I would have liked to have heard, but with, with, but just with fantastic songs. And it was a nice blend. You had some of that happy power metal stuff. You had some, you know, K- Kings and glory that is vintage power quest. It belongs on Neverworld. You wouldn't bat an eyelash. If that song was on Neverworld, you have Face the Raven, which reminds me of an old Twilightning song, which is like the biggest compliment that I can give it. I think it is a phenomenal song that has just grown on me every single time I listen to it. You know, I thought of when that song first came out, I thought of Twilightning as well. I'm so glad that you really? said that. Yeah. We may be the only two people on the planet that know Twilightning, but like when I hear that song, I'm like, this is, this sounds like early Twilightning, which I'm just a big su- sucker for. Coming Home, a short but complete epic tune. I love the pacing on that one. Um, Sixth Dimension, which is almost like a modern Stradivarius tune in, in many ways. This album kicks ass and if this is what the band is going to sound like going forward i don't need to hear neverworld the album part two i'm very happy with it i will always love it but this is a fresh modern sound and and i think ash rounds out what i can only hope to say is the next leg of the of the power quest journey yeah beautifully said um there was a, 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 I mean, listen, I have gone, I think I've gone through this whole po- podcast with naming every single member of this band. And it, it, listen, if I didn't name you and you were in Power Quest once, give me a call and, and give me shit for it. I deserve it. But um, I think I've named everyone, uh, you know what? One person I miss, Ben Randall, a uh, short time at guitar player from 2009 to 2010. All right, now we're caught up. Um, brief brief another quick change so the band would release this 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 face the raven ep which had um face the raven and coming home on it and then a really cool re uh re-recording of blood alliance with ash on vocals which if you were looking to kind of get you know a taste of what it would have been if ash was the singer for the blood alliance album you have it right there um there there was some some sort of issue with the uh the the Owen brothers and they, they were let go before Sixth dimension came out. And so Steve brought on, um, 
two uh, two new guitar players, Andy uh, Andy Kopchek, um, and no relation, uh, Glenn Williams. <laughs> um, and Glenn remains with the band to this day. Um, Andy was um, he was replaced by George Karafotis, who I believe is from Greece. Um, and I haven't yet, I haven't yet to see him or Glenn live. And, um, unfortunately after six dimension, um, uh, I'm sorry. Um, a lot of names today. Um, Paul Finney, the bass player, um, just died suddenly, um, right after playing a, a gig. Um, he was, I believe it was like a Iron Maiden tribute band or something to that effect. And, you know, he wasn't feeling well after the show and he ended up having a heart attack and passing away. And I was absolutely devastated to hear that. That was in 2019. And I know that Steve and Ash both were very close with him. And I'm sure the rest of the members of the band were, he was a, a teddy bear of a man. Um, so I just wanted to mention that just so we can get up to date on the, personnel of this ever-changing uh band but um you know rewinding back to sixth dimension um i mentioned to you during the week i thought it was interesting that um they had um andy and glenn go back go into the studio and record new guitar parts for face the raven and coming home rather than recycle the versions that were on the ep i think they probably used the, the rest of the tracks as they were but um if you listen to the the versions back to back, you'll notice very different guitar solos, um, which I thought was kind of a cool thing to kind of let them put their stamp on, um, you know, the new album and, and uh, their style. Um, but uh, to kind of piggyback what you had to say, this was the album we were really hoping for after the three year hiatus. It, just starts out on absolute fire with Lords of Tomorrow. Starlight City is fantastic. Kings and Glory, Face the Raven, which, like you said, a very different kind of Power Quest song, um, but a totally welcome one. No More Heroes, Revolution Fighters, which I think is the most underrated song on this album, just full of of energy and and just and just, it's just punchy. Um, Pray for the Day, which is a song that I listened to after my dog died and I would listen to these lyrics and it just, I would think I was driving home from the night that we had to put her to sleep. Uh, and 
I heard this song and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this song was like written about this moment. It was so powerful to me at the time. And I think of that every time I hear this song coming home, um, which is sacred land. Part two is just another, it's the last like fast paced song on the album. And then it finishes off with the sixth dimension with Annette Olsen of all people doing guest vocals, Richard West, which we actually talked to Richard West about this when he was on the podcast. He co-wrote the song with Steve. This is another like kind of a throwback to the early days of, of power quest where it has a little bit more of this mid tempo kind of um, like, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, Just it's a little bit more of like a moodier kind of tune, but really just fits the album so well. And then just for kicks, uh, Bonus track of, of Ash's, the band redoing Far Away from the very first album with Ash on vocals. Um, boy, they really, they, they, this is, this is, uh, quite a comeback right here with this album. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an eight and a half for me. It is right up there with the two, the two big ones that I mentioned earlier. Markedly better than, you know, more than half of the catalog, I have to say. And, and when I say that, that's not a knock on the rest of the catalog. I think it just speaks to this song. I love the direction they're going in. They've kind of kept modern and relevant. The, you know, not a lot of bands are doing that early, fast power metal, you know, speedy, speedy thing anymore, uh, you know, album after album. I like the, the the turn that they've made, and yeah, they, there's certain songs that harken back to that old sound, and they're obviously most welcome when I hear them. But I like the diversity. I like the punch that this album has. It's really good, and I just, you know, what, what's crazy to me is I looked and I said, "Wow, this came out in 2017. It's five years old at this point. It doesn't feel five years old. It feels like it came out two years ago. I don't know what that says. It obviously says something. But the fact of the matter is, we are destined for you know new material they've come out with two singles since then i have no idea if those are actually going to be on a a subsequent album or what what the future plans are obviously we hope to find out very very soon but they they need to they need to to put out more material and they need to get on the road and they need to come back and and they honestly need to get back to the states because that that was a once in a lifetime opportunity i just hope it's a two in a lifetime opportunity yeah same here um yeah, quite. This was quite the return. I, I have this at a nine point five. This album, um, I'm in the liner notes of the special edition, so kind of have to give it a nine point five when your face is in it. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, for for real though, I mean, this is just such a a really great. I listened to this album so many times when it first came out. I I was I knew the words to like every song within a couple of weeks. I, I just was. So happy the band was back, and and they just delivered. I mean, it was just a really impressive outing, and like you said, I'm I'm amped for what's to come. And and in the last couple of years, um, I have to say, uh, I Bound for Glory is not just a, a, an old TNA pay per view, but it, this is one of the best Power Quest songs ever, in my opinion. It's fantastic.
I had spoken to Ash around this time that this was coming out, and he said, he goes, I think this is one of the best songs, one of the best Power Quest songs ever. And I was like, well, you kind of, you know, raising the bar pretty high before I even hear the damn thing. But, you know, he was right. Like, this song is really, really catchy. It's it's almost like the new voice of Power Quest meets the old sound of Power Quest, and it's just this beautiful marriage. And then they followed up with um, Now is the Time, which uh, came out earlier this year. Um, this one's a little bit more of that kind of March March kind of tempo, that mid-tempo um, kind of like Blood Alliance, um, but another real fantastic song. And so it's nice of them to kind of tease us a little bit and not leave us in the weeds after five years of no material. But um, if these two tracks are, are any indication, the next full-length album or whatever EP, whatever it may be, I think it's going to definitely hold up to the standard that the band brought with Six Dimension. No argument. I can't believe that they have been um, doing it at this point for the much better part of 20 years, which is just absolutely incredible. Uh, he, here's to 20 more. I'm, I'm sure um, I, I can say unequivocally, I, I thoroughly enjoyed you know prepping for this episode. And I guess I have to prep a little bit more than you did just because I feel like these songs are seeped into your consciousness at this point. But an excellent, excellent choice for for episode 100. As, as you mentioned, we have a couple of surprises left this week in terms of conversations with Steve and with Ash. And then it'll be back to our uh, regularly scheduled program. But uh, kudos to you for, for choosing this for episode 100 and, and for this little celebration that we're having. Well, you mentioned that you can't believe it's been five years, uh, you know, since Six Dimension came out. I didn't realize that this just kind of worked out this way, but Wings of Forever was released 20 years ago, the first yeah. the first Power Quest album. So Span's been kind of, uh, you know, with hiatuses here and there, but... Um, it's been 20 years. Um, uh, you know, the band has done 15, 15 year anniversary concerts for the first two albums and had one planned for magic never dies. Um, I'd like to think that that's still going to happen. Maybe it'll end up being a, a 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary concert at some point. But, um, I, I, you know, the, the, the pandemic made me a little nervous that, you know, made me nervous about a lot of bands you know you see marco leaving nightwish you see delane just completely disbanding other than you know um martin um it can change a lot of of what's going on and so when the band is quiet for a while you get a little nervous um but it sounds like they just announced their first show for uh 2023 it sounds like uh, all things are a go um I feel like I probably could talk about this band for another hour, but I, I don't want to anymore. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> I thought we really hit everything that needs to be hit, and I think that if there are any gaps, Steve and Ash are definitely going to fill those in for us. And I just can't believe I mentioned every person that was ever in Power Quest. I didn't think I would, but um, I think I did. I, I, Steve could probably tell us that like somebody like played three keynotes on one of on master of illusion at some point and i missed it but um i think you uh pretty much wrote the textbook tonight so uh i appreciate that i hope this was as much fun for you as it was for me because i definitely enjoyed it and i learned a lot too to, to be completely honest with you so uh definitely enjoyable and uh i will catch you later in the week when we talk some more power quest with with uh, the brains behind the operation and the uh the man behind the mic
yeah, I, I'm especially um, I'm especially excited about those uh, interviews. Um, just because I mean, I thought the two perfect people in the band to talk to was the guy, the the man who started it all and has been there for the whole ride, but also a guy who started out as a fan and ended up the lead singer. Uh, not a lot of people get to say that, so I think that's a very cool story. And I think um, I think hearing it come from the horse's mouth rather than from us will be all the more uh, rewarding for the listeners. So um, I'm, I'm amped for those two uh, interviews, and uh, and then we um, and then we were back to request week. Uh, next week we're gonna give you three episodes. This week, this being the first of three, and then next week. Um, just uh, remind me, X Japan, what, what's the album? Okay, so this came in by request. It was an album called Blue Blood, which is – I've got so many stories about this album uh, and, and this band in general just because they really were like not even on my radar. And then I went to go see them in concert. So like I'll, I'll tell that story when, when it comes through. But this is uh, X Japan's album called Blue Blood, and I believe it comes to us from one of our listeners, TJ. So I look forward to getting to this to some great detail. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to this yet, but you are in for you are in for something different. I haven't, but there's a song called Orgasm on it. So I mean, if you have the balls to write a song called Orgasm, I mean, you must really be. Uh... You, you must really know that this is going to hit big. Um, <laughs> although, I have to say, I do know the song uh, Kuranai. I don't know if it's because somebody covered it. So I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. Damnation Angels. Oh, that's why. Okay. Yep. There it is. Fantastic song. But again, we'll, we'll get to that because that was the first time I ever heard an ex-Japan song as well. And that was it from their cover of it. Uh, but we'll, we'll get to all that and, and more uh, next week. But uh Needless to say, I think we've got enough this week to, to, to whet everyone's appetite for a little while longer. Yeah, well, now, as I'm yawning, I go to bed and then wake up and we'll do another interview in the morning. <laughs> do another <laughs> podcast in the morning. I look forward to it, man. Enjoy the rest of your night, and I will talk to you soon, bud. Here's to All 100. Right. Thank you for uh, joining me on this journey, both um, the 100 episodes and just this episode in particular. <laughs> I... I I knew it would be a long one, but uh, I, I I hope it's a good one. So thank you. Cheers, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Take care, buddy.